Excuse me. An NFL podcast. We do the Patriots podcast too much. So these episodes are for the NFL, and it's, we're going to talk a lot of Patriots, obviously, because it's the postseason, and the Patriots are in the fucking postseason all the time. This is the Patriots regular season. What's up, LB? How you doing, Bryson? But uh, yeah, you make a good point. It's kind of like that thing I saw yesterday, the um, where people hack into Wikipedia or whatever, and they they made it say the it's the uh, matchup between the Patriots and. Uh, NFC and NFC team every year, like they did with the conference championship. I mean, the postseason basically you couldn't have a postseason without the Patriots at this point. No, you can't. The Patriots preseason is actually literally the final four weeks of December. That's their preseason, and then they lock they lock up a bye in like November, and they cakewalk their way through December, and then the postseason comes, and they're the real team. They are. Their final form, I believe, as uh, as you stated the other day about Trent Brown. I know, I know, you must be happy seeing uh, Trent Brown bully dudes, just absolutely just manhandle dudes. It's definitely good for the brand. I love Trent Brown. Look at him; he's so cute. If you're not a Patriots fan, just Google pictures of just Google at Bryson NFL or tweet search at Bryson NFL. Trent Brown, and you'll find plenty of pictures that just make you fall in love, or you might just hate him really bad. I don't know how you could hate him though. Well, I uh, I, I remember one day in the in the Patriots chat, I said he was ugly, and I think I upset everybody. It, it's true; he kind of does just like look like a big baby. He has that baby face, but at the same time, what is he like? What, you'd know his measurables better than me. He's a friggin' mountain. Guy's insane. He is a large man. He's a large man, a very large man. Just look at him. When he's standing next to Sony Michelle in the Patriots preseason, it was just dumb. And Sony Michelle's not a very small guy. He's a pretty large male. He is actually, especially. I was looking at pictures from my uh, training camp, dude. Sony was looking really like beefed up, like he was bulky in the preseason. I think you know they they cut back on the weights a little bit as the year goes on, but he's. He's not a small guy. I mean, you know, I don't know how tall he is. Sony's probably what five eleven or so. I'm not. I mean, Trent just—I thought he had a great game the other day too. Did you see? Uh, did you see that post uh, Brady put on Instagram of his jersey? Not a single grass stain. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. LB. Let's let's get into the Pats a little later. We're annoying everyone. Everyone that is listening to this for Rams Saints has already probably turned it off. So let's just turn to the Saints Rams. Big time game. Big time game. It was a very fun game. It was lower scoring, lower offense. Kind of a crappy, crappy offensive game, if you ask me. But my first takeaway from this game, Saints fans are complaining. Number one, Saints fans, you have a guy named Whistleman in your crowd who deserves no happiness. You guys thought this was cute. You guys thought having a guy that is a human fucking whistle in your crowd, you thought that was cute. No. You you get everything that comes your way today. You get everything after Sunday's game. Whistle man whistling. I wanted to destroy him. I wanted to destroy everything that he stood for in his entire life. And I'm glad he's not happy today. I don't know where he is today. Maybe he took like three weeks off from work. Maybe he disappeared somewhere. I'm glad for all of it. I hope his life is ruined. I don't care. Hopefully, Whistleman is on the fucking sun right now because that guy sucks. I know I saw a lot of activity about 
you know, people turning off the broadcast because he was ruining it for everybody. I can't imagine what it's like for the players, but I know even as just a fan of the game watching it, it was so annoying, dude. Like, first off, I can't, a little fun fact about me, I can't even whistle, so I'm a little envious, like, right off the bat. I literally can't whistle. It's, 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 it's like a weird noise that I do. I, I can't whistle. So I listen to this guy whistling like that, and he's been doing it, I guess, at home games for 22 years. So, you know, he's pretty good at it. He knows what he's doing. First off, and then you take into consideration that I'm having a hard time believing it's just one guy. I know everybody says it's just one guy, but that could just be a cover for, you know, everybody to sneak and whistle. You know what I'm saying? Like, and people just be like, oh, well, it's just that one guy. I don't know. I don't know how you can possibly just take his word for it or take the Saints' word for it that it's one guy because it sounds like, you know, it sounds like more than one guy and it's, it's really friggin' annoying. It's one of those things, like, for me, I didn't notice it until people started saying it. It's like when people when people talk about your, like, thinking about blinking in your eyes, and then you start thinking about it, and then it's the most annoying thing ever. This was this is how it felt for me. Like, I was like, this, it can't be that bad. And then I started listening. I was like, wow, this guy, this fucking guy, someone do something. <laughs> someone send this guy to North Korea. I'm tired of this. <laughs> That's funny. I have this thing in my ear right now. It's called, um... What's it called? I forget what it's called. It, it's like a constant whistling in my ear that I've had for like a week and it's driving me mental. So I kind of know what you're talking about. I forget what it's called. It's, it's a, ryth, a rhythmic or a rhythmic. I, I can't remember, but don't, don't get it. I think it's because I worked in a loud ass factory for a long time and it's like, I'm an old ass man, bro. I'm telling you, I'm the oldest 30 ever. I'm an old fart. I'm washed, man. Oh, so you're Drew Brees. You could say I'm Drew Brees. You know, Drew Brees. Where's, I don't know, Bryce, I, I mean, I know that you use a lot of Twitter, and I know you understand the game. Have you seen a lot of uh, cliff talk for Drew Brees? No, there's no cliff talk. There's no cliff talk for Drew Brees, even though he passed for a whopping 6.2 yards per attempt in a fucking <laughs> dome. In a dome. <laughs> 6.2 yards per attempt. Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, Sean Payton, 6.2 yards per attempt, 249 yards. Now, I, I mean, I could be wrong, but I'm going to guess that in two weeks, Tom Brady is going to pass for at minimum 350 yards against the Rams, and he's going to look excellent. He's not going to look like this, and they're calling for Brady's cliff. When the cliff is actually Drew Brees, who passed for less – air yards per attempt than Tom Brady, who people think is the screen check down merchant. It's actually Drew Brees. Alvin Kamara had 13 targets. Well, it's funny how that works because you never hear you. And, and actually two guys that are ahead of Brady on that list, as far as the last time I saw it in December was Mahomes was number one. Number two is Drew Brees in passes and screens, you know, and all that crap to all, all the screens that teams run I'm pretty sure number one was the Saints. Uh, I'm sorry, it was Kansas City, and the other team coming up was the Saints, not far behind. You know, I'm looking at it, He had an 88.4 rating um, Sunday. And for the postseason, he had a 95.6 rating, which both of those numbers are lower than the rating Tom Brady had this year. And we all know that Tom Brady was washed after this year, after the season ended. People looked at the numbers, oh, well, you know. 
acting like he dropped off. Drew Brees had 23 touchdown passes last season at the age of 39. Brady had 29 this year. So where was this talk after last season for Brees? Where's this talk after this latest postseason for Brees? Because I'm looking at it. He's four and five in the playoffs since he won his Super Bowl. People continue to talk about him like he belongs in the GOAT conversation. I'm sorry he doesn't. The Rams had so many. I got to give the Rams defense some credit. They were putting some bad spots. You know, maybe some of it was their fault. The um, first drive, the Saints went right down there and uh, the tight end there. He dropped a touchdown pass in the end zone and they took three. Then Goff threw the uh, interception that went through Gurley's hands. And the Rams defense held strong again. The Saints took three again. They were up 6 nothing, and then I believe they scored again, and it was, you know, 13 um, nothing. In my opinion, that game could have been over at that point. It wasn't. Drew Brees never once did anything, in my opinion, to get that team ahead and win that football game. I just didn't see it. Actually, I don't know if you could hear, but there's some alarms, some ambulances, some fire trucks in the background, <laughs> and that is because we are screaming for the Cliff talk for Drew Brees. It's not fun to talk about Drew Brees, Cliff. He's a nice guy. It's really hard to hate. I know a lot of people call him Make American Great Again, Brees, but I'm not, I don't know a whole lot of people that really just hate Drew Brees unless you're a Falcons fan or you're um, John 12 on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. I, I have nothing against Brees, really. I mean, I think he's – I made a, um, an updated list maybe last week where I said, you know, I actually made a top 10 quarterbacks list. Usually I only do five, but I figured I'd be a little bit more creative this time. And uh, uh, Breeze has slipped into my fifth spot. And for me, that was – I'm not – even him at five is very, very, very debatable. I guess he gets there for numbers and the fact that he does have a ring, but I've always felt he's a little bit overrated because outside that dome, his, his quarterback rating drops about 10 points for his career. So it's just one of those things where all time placing him – it's kind of difficult, and I have nothing against Drew Brees. I mean, everybody knows the um, after he won the Super Bowl, him and his kid, you know, standing there with his kids got the headphones on. And so it's like I have nothing against Drew Brees. You know, none of my lasting images of him are that he's like a bad guy or anything. But where his all-time standing, it's I don't know his 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 playoff. He's he's come up short quite a few times in the playoffs with some pretty good teams. He's also had some bad teams. When it comes to the cliff talk, I see none of it. And maybe it's like you said, maybe people just like Drew Brees. Probably so. Probably so. Drew Brees, hate to see it. Hate to see it, Drew Brees. Pass for less air yards attempted per pass than Tom Brady, who's just the wash check down king artist. I, I was talking to someone on Twitter the other day after I mentioned about Drew Brees being the check down artist. And they said, yeah, but Brees will rip it sometimes. Oh, yeah. Will he rip it? I mean, will he rip it sometimes? I mean, when? if if he does, which he does, it's obviously factored. It's not. It's factored into his intended, intended air yards. The, the man is checking it down at astronomical levels, and people think Tom Brady is the worst. Yeah, Tom Brady rips it too. <laughs> Did you see his touchdown to Philip Dorsett? Did you see oh. that? How about remember the touchdown Cordero Patterson had? We just threw it on a rope. Drew Brees doesn't have that arm strength. Well, one thing I'll give you some credit for, you're pretty good at diagnosing, you know, how an arm looks and nothing will ever top what we saw from Peyton Manning in his final years and how he was able to <laughs> complete some passes with absolute ducks. 
None of these guys look like that. Drew Brees, um, I'm sorry, Tom Brady, his arm, at times this year, I even, would, I did a podcast with you and I said, you know, I don't know if his arm's quite what it used to be, but I also don't think it's a bad arm. You know, I said that the, the most I would say is that it's not getting better. This year, his arm actually got better, in my opinion, as the season went on for Brady. And I don't know if it's, it's how he handles himself and how he manages himself. And, but we saw some lasers even the other day against the Chargers. We saw some lasers. I haven't seen that from Breeze. And I know you pointed out that River's arm is looking like a noodle. I mean, not, not on Peyton Manning type levels, but River's arm doesn't look great. Drew Breeze arm, I don't know. I don't see it. He's always had kind of a funky delivery where, you know, he had that, that uh, shoulder injury in his final year there in his last playoff game with the Chargers. And there was questions about him going forward. And ultimately that's why he wound up in New Orleans and not Miami. Miami actually went with Dante Culpepper and uh, Drew Brees winds up in New Orleans, which is the best thing that ever happened to him being in a dome. But his arm, in my opinion, he does not catch any of the flack that Brady catches. I'm not sure why um, people hate Brady, which I'm also not sure why people hate Brady and like Brees, but, his arm doesn't, I don't know, it's nothing special, you know, and we saw one of that, that first interception he threw where it kind of, um, there was pressure and he didn't get much on it and they weren't sure if it was tipped. Some of that's because of the size of him. Um, but at the same time, that was a dumbass throw, man. Just Sometimes you just got to take the sack, in my opinion. Sometimes you just got to live to play another play. That's all. How about the pass, that the duck that Brees fired up there that Ted Ginn caught? And people talk about oh. Brady getting bailed out. How about that pass? The uh, defense, the, yeah. I'm sorry, that, go ahead. Uh, that was uh, Nikhil Colby-Rogue. I can't say his name. It's too many letters. You guys know what I'm talking about. It might have been Joyner, right, that, that went up for it and didn't get it? I think it was Verbi Coleman. Okay. Anyway, this man looked like he's never played defensive back in his entire life. It was probably one of the easiest picks he'll ever have in his entire – maybe the ball was just too high. He lost it in the lights or something, ate some popcorn before the game. Man, that was bad. That's a that's a very interceptable ball. And how many balls do you see Tom Brady throw that are just long – like, have you ever seen Tom Brady throw, like, a, a punt? Like, I've never seen Tom – Tom Brady will throw a pick, but mainly because he's forcing it deep into, into some coverage. But Drew Brees, this ball, this was, this was a punt. <laughs> the game should have been over then, probably. Well, I remember thinking it reminded me of a couple plays. It reminded me of that play a few years ago in Denver where the rate, uh, the um, Flacco threw a ball up, and I believe it was Raheem Moore. <laughs> he was on the um, on the Broncos at the time. And he just completely missed, and the guy scored a touchdown. It was just brutal. Obviously, the play last year that <laughs> happened versus the Saints, that kid there, uh, the safety went for it, missed it, digs makes the grab, wasn't for a touchdown. Maybe it's just bad safeties in the NFL that just don't know how, how to catch a punt or how to field it. I don't know. I thought – I watched it, and I thought it was – that should have been picked. That was my first impression is I thought it should have been picked. And I thought, man, if that's Brady, all you see is, oh, man, he's the luckiest guy to ever live. It's like, ah, oh, God. NFL Twitter sucks, let me tell you. Yeah. It, it definitely does. It definitely does. No one, it's not fun to talk about Drew. Like, no one's going to lead with Drew Brees. No one's going to, it's not fun. You're not going to see it at all. Who cares about this, right? 
That's true, though. I, like we said, you know, it's nothing even personal. Drew Brees is, is a great player. I, I think you like Brees a lot, don't you? I think I've heard you defend him a lot. I love Drew Brees. I do love him. I've actually, Alonzo actually yesterday on the podcast found a text where I said, Alonzo slandering Dr. Brees this morning. There's a November. <laughs> yeah, I've always thought you were like a big Drew Brees guy. So, I mean, and here you are today. You see, but here's the thing though: you're you're not being biased about it. You're not what you're what you're saying is true, and I just wish other people would pick up on it. You know, Philip Rivers, his arm does not look great at all. Um, and he's what 39 now, I think. Uh, Drew Brees, 40 years old, coming off another playoff, <laughs> another playoff, really a dud. It wasn't an impressive game for him. You just don't see the same that same cliff talk. I mean, I don't see segments about how lucky he is, and it's just it's just a part of it, I guess. When when you're the greatest quarterback ever, everybody goes after you for any little thing. I don't know, man. It's it's really annoying. It really is. All right, let's get to the PI. Both of us picked Pat's Rams because we're geniuses, and I think I think the Rams are the better team. But this is a tweet from one of my buddies, and I think he gets it right regarding the pass interference. The Saints fans cheated like crazy with the whistles. True. The Saints got away with game-losing face masks. The Rams dropped a pick in the end zone. The Rams handed the Saints a lucky pick early. Roby picks the con- the controversial play for six if he turns his head, the one we were just talking about. The, the better team won. So we can talk about the pass interference. There's plenty of plays. If I was a Saints fan, I'm not going to lie to you. I'd wake up this morning. I'd wake up every day for the rest of my life, and I'd think about that. And I'd probably mail Roger Goodell shit and glitter every single day for the rest of my life. So I think the better team won. But, man, it's hard to look at that pass interference. It's hard. It, it'd be very hard for me to stomach that if I was a Saints fan. That was one of the more blatant pass interferences you'll ever see. <laughs> like, and for it to not be, and there's two referees right there, Bryson. So it's, you can't say, well, they didn't see it. So, but you know, like you just said, man, I'm, I'm very much so in the camp. And I say this all the time. You just can't blame refs. You just can't do it. You know, um, Patriots Eagles Super Bowl last year, there was a lot of funny calls. And after the game, you find out, well, they were using the, the rule that they wanted to use going forward and all that. And I was fucked up. You know what? I've always said the Patriots had chances to win that game, and they didn't. So I hate, hate blaming the refs. That said, oh, my God, I would wake up and I would shoot my fucking balls off. If that, if, dude, if I was watching that and that happened, and let's say, I don't know, Julian Edelman's running and he's wide open, and, you know, he, you think, oh, man, this is it. We're going to win, and, and he gets smoked, and they don't call it. I mean, oh, man. And at the same time, again, we can go back to what we just said. They let him write down. What, didn't the Saints? The Saints, I believe, they kicked the um, the go-ahead field goal at that point, which made it twenty-three to twenty. They let the Rams march right down the field, kick a field goal, the first one to tie it up at the end of regulation. Then they get into overtime. As far as I, as my my brain tells me, the Saints won the toss. They didn't do anything with it. The Ram, the um, the Rams got the ball back and they went on a field goal. How many chances did the Saints have to put that game away and win? I know it won't make – it's not going to make Saints fans feel any better because it was a bad missed call, but sometimes you just got to – you got to take the game away from the refs. You got to say, we're going to win it on our own. We saw it, we saw it with um, that look on Brady's face at the end of the uh, AFC Championship game. Sometimes you just 
You can't let the refs decide it. You got to do something about it on your own. And but again, it's still one of the worst miss pass interference calls I've ever seen. I can't think of many pass interferences worse than that that didn't get called. That might be the worst pass interference I've ever seen not get called. Yeah, I totally agree. And the next thing I want to talk about is, I don't know what you'll think. I think you might agree with me, but Todd Gurley, man, I think from watching the game, I don't think I said, I don't think I said anything about this, but from watching the game, if Todd Gurley got a drug test Monday morning, what is he popping for? Because to me, I mean, you could say he was hurt. I've seen guys that were hurt. Um, is Todd Gurley on drugs? Is the question I want. <laughs> uh, four carries, ten yards, two and a half. I mean, two and a half per carry. I don't know what the hell was going on with him. I really don't. He was just a non-factor. Four carries, ten yards, one reception for three yards. He had a touchdown, obviously, but you know, I mean, he was just a complete non-factor. I mean, I know, I guess he was hurt, but I don't know. I mean, I remember. Is that what it was? I've I've heard rumors that he was hurt. Is are you hearing that he was actually benched? Yeah, um, Sean McVay called it game flow, so that's key word for um, he got benched for C.J. Anderson, the fat diabetic slob. Wow, so nothing nothing screams I'm on drugs better than getting benched for a fat diabetic slob that was just on the streets four weeks ago. C.J. Anderson is an Eminem away from being out of the NFL. And he just took Todd Gurley's job for the biggest game of Gurley's career. I mean, wow, that's something. <laughs> that's amazing because, I mean, didn't CJ Anderson was available for any team to sign? Um, when did he? Didn't he just get there like midseason? Top of my yeah. head. Yeah, not too long ago. Yeah. So, like you, it's it's a funny thing. I mean, you don't hear that. It's not getting a ton of talk that, you know, this guy actually got benched in the biggest game of his career. Four carries, 10 yards, one reception, three yards. So he had a whopping 13 yards on five touches. This is a guy who a lot of people have wanted for MVP so many times. Like, that just can't happen. But Daniel Tomlinson got killed, and he actually had a real injury back in 2007, I want to say, the championship game. Daniel Tomlinson got killed for that. I'm not seeing any of that for Todd Gurley. No, and this is definitely, for me, as the uh, running backs are basically interchangeable guy, you take the guy who people proclaim MVP and you exchange him with a fat diabetic and you win the <laughs> NFC Championship game. I'll just, oh I'm just, just going to drop the mic and walk away from that one. Benched in the NFC Championship game and it did not matter. If that guy turns out to be the reason the Patriots don't win a Super Bowl, I might actually lose my shit now. Because clearly something's wrong with that guy. I mean, he sucked a couple years ago, too. Remember, he had that great rookie year, and then he sucked. He sucked. I think he put up, like, 2.9 yards of carry. I could be wrong. It could have been 3.1. But it was a low number. It was like, you know, Lawrence Maroney-type shit, whereas even Maroney was better than that. You know, he was t- – Gurley's a great player. I'm sure that he'll he'll make up for it in some regard versus the Patriots, but I'm hoping for more of that. Whatever, whatever pregame ritual he did before the, uh, the championship game, let's get some more of that. Please, please Todd. Or I don't know. I think I'd rather see, I'd rather see Gurley because I've seen CJ Anderson against the Patriots and CJ Anderson against the Patriots 
might be the best running back of all time. <laughs> Never forget that that fucking touchdown he ripped off in uh, overtime in the snow. The one time the Patriots ever lost in the snow in their whole dynastic run with Belichick and Brady, they lost in the snow one time, 2015 in Denver. C.J. Anderson. But like, well, yeah, I guess I guess you're right. I guess we want Gurley to be somewhat competent because we don't want to see too much C.J. Anderson. We want Gurley to be. We want him to suck, but we don't want him to be so bad that he gets benched for for diabetes, man. Yep. The page, This is how it'll go for the Patriots. The Patriots will absolutely lock down Todd Gurley. But if C.J. Anderson, the diabetic, was in the game, he would absolutely be bowling over Patrick Chung and Devin McCourty and Jason McCourty and the rest of the linebackers. Malcolm Brown would get run over by him a couple of times, and he'd average six yards per carry. I can already promise you that that's going to happen if he plays the majority of the game. <laughs> Oh my God, I can't live through it again. After last year versus the Eagles, you know, LeGarrette Blunt. I was never, the most disgusted I ever was was when Blunt ripped off that touchdown run. Like, I was disgusted. Uh, you know, if, if CJ Anderson does some shit like that, I might be equally as disgusted. It's like you said, man, he's, he's a Patriots killer. I'll, I'll always give that man props. Um, he actually had a nice, a long, nice Instagram posts in the past about Brady, you know, said about how after they, um, after they beat the Patriots in the 2015 AFC Championship game, he said about how um, Brady was a guy that was drafted late. He worked his ass off and how, how Brady was like an inspiration to him and how um, they talked after the game and he said how, you know, how great of a guy Brady is. And so it's hard for me to dislike C.J. Anderson. It's cool to see him have success, but, you know, I don't want to see him get another Super Bowl ring. <laughs> Can't have that. No. And with that, I think we're pretty much good with the Rams Saints game. So let's we're gonna, let's just annoy America with past Chiefs. So number one thing, LB, I talked about it on the last title talk. For those of you that didn't hear this, how about Laser Man? So Tom Brady, for those of you who didn't know, gets a laser on him in his eyes and his beautiful, handsome face for God knows how long. And if this was in another stadium, there would be an investigation. People would link this laser man to some Patriot staffer. So I'm not wrong to think this is a KC staffer. It might've been Andy Reed even, I don't know who it was, but Tom Brady had a laser in his face. No one cared. Ted Wells won't put up an investigation. The league won't pay millions of dollars. This is way worse than deflated football fellas. Tom Brady with a laser in his face. That's way worse. Here's my thing about this. And it's something I've talked about in the past. And I know everybody gets sick of hearing Patriots fans compare everything to them. But we have very good reason to. In this case, if it was in Foxborough and the laser's in Mahomes' eye, nobody's saying it's Patriots fans. Who cares? They're not saying it's just some stupid fans. They're saying the Patriots did it. The Patriots hired somebody. The Patriots had a guy in place to do that. Just like whenever an idiot fan pulls a hotel, you know, for the, the opposing team's hotel, it's always be- Patriots fan was hired by Belichick to do it. You know, the, the mad genius he's up to it is another trick up his sleeve. It's so annoying because no other team gets hit with this repeat offenders label, just the Patriots. And it all goes back to Spygate because they ignored not an NFL rule, a memo that was sent out to all the teams before the, now, Bill was wrong. Belichick should have just said, you know what, fuck it. Belichick looked at it like, well, I know the rules better than you. I know the rules. I'll do what I want. You know, you guys. And they killed it. You know, they crushed Bill for it. They crushed the Patriots organization for it. 
And everybody has still held this out against them, that they ignored a memo for years, and they never let it go. And we're all this crap about, well, the Patriots got killed at the plate gate because of repeat offenders. Why does that never apply to other teams? And I, and I ask that dead serious. Why does that never apply? How many times the Ravens, in legal practices, um, they've had the um, – they cried about formations, and they ran formations the next year. They had a situation where they were caught cheating in preseason games, which should tell you if they're cheating in preseason games, who knows what they're up to in regular season. They don't get hit with that label. Some, if the Ravens had a big thing happen right now, they would get a small fine. Nobody would say, well, they're repeat offenders, so they got, they got nailed this time. And it continues to happen. See, you remember the Seattle All Seahawks? They were all getting popped PEDs. Another team that had practices. They've been docked draft picks for. They've lied on injury reports. Are they repeat offenders? So I just ask, why is the only team that ever gets hit with the repeat offenders label? It's the Patriots. Why? Patriots got fucking nailed for Spygate. They lost a first-round pick. They had a massive fine for ignoring a memo. The Steelers, how many times they employed a steroids doctor for decades and decades? And their fans will tell you, well, steroids weren't illegal back then. Well, I'll tell you what, recording team signals was also not illegal. The Patriots got nailed for it. The Steelers have had two incidences with footballs being underinflated. The Steelers also had a coach that tripped the guy on the sideline. So if something comes up again, how come they're not repeat offenders? Where's Ted Bell's been in all these cases, Bryce? And I know, and I can go on for days about this because it really pisses me off. And people just don't get what it's like to be a Patriots fan. They think that we cry. They think that we compare everything. We have good reason to. People are just mad that they keep winning. And like I've been saying, the Patriots have broken everybody's fucking hearts. They've broken their souls. They've broken their spirit. Everybody's just tired of it. Yeah, it's like watching... It's like a, watching a, like a race up a mountain and the Patriots are just like levels and levels higher against every other team. So every other owner is bitch, just bitches to each other about the Patriots and, well, they must be doing something. How, this is, how, how, how does this work like this? How does this so long? They don't get it. Other franchises don't get it because they haven't seen the Patriots. They haven't been a Patriots fan, like seeing all the inner workings and how it works. So they constantly take shots. And then, God forbid, because I know all all this week, all last week, I like I, I ignore it. But now that th- bad things happen around the NFL, I just start shooting down from this mountain and just kicking the shit out of other teams and other fans. Like, like the Larry Fitzgerald thing. Like, a, had a had a uh, girlfriend had a restraining order against him. I mentioned this, and everyone's like, "No way, not Larry Fitzgerald. He's such a great guy. No way, not him." Yeah, guys, it happened. This happened. No one cared. No one. No one's gonna bring it up. But yet, every uh, under every tweet about the Patriots, you'll see Aaron Hernandez be brought up. You'll see cheating be brought up. You'll see all this stuff. But it doesn't matter. So as soon as any other NFL team does something, well, you employ Tyree Kill. Well, the Giants employed and this kicker that committed domestic violence at a serious level. The Seahawks cheated. They were, they're all popping addies. I mean, good grief. It's it's just horrible. It's just because the Patriots are good, and the league is just constantly obsessed with having this. They want to make it look like everything is fair and uh, people can act like they they hate seeing the Patriots in the Super Bowl, which just isn't true. They love to root against the Patriots. So I'm glad we can just drink up all their tears from all this different stuff. And every time something happens like this, I'm going to complain about it. Cry for me, please, because I'm every time. Laser Man going to cry. Something's going to happen in the Super Bowl. Watch. I already said it. Sean McVay has, has been getting some – I don't know if he's getting credit. Like, wow, this guy's so smart. He has a guy that – pulls him back on the sideline 
Yeah, everyone, almost everyone does, guys. Jesus Christ. So this is what's going to happen. In the Super Bowl, Sean McVay will absolutely get flagged for being on the field, and you all will fucking cry. And here I am to warn you right now. It's going to happen. Sean McVay is <laughs> going to get run into a ref, and they're going to throw a flag on him, and you guys will cry. That's bullshit. The NFL's at it again. This is the same league that, you know, they they – the, the mountain, the, the hill they decided to die on was for a kicker, like you said, or domestic violence. And people, back to your Fitzgerald point real quick, people said, well, why didn't we hear about it? This is the NFL, man. They, co- they, don't, they, don't, they cover up domestic violence. That's why you never heard of it. We saw it with Ray Rice. We saw it again with Hunt, which I'll never believe that bullshit. They just didn't want us to find out. We saw it with uh, Josh Brown, the kicker. That's why you never heard about Larry Fitzgerald. And that's why you're never still going to hear about him much. And he'll always be propped up as, you know, the greatest guy to ever walk the earth. And even the repeat offender shit, you can go back to the cults, pumping crowd noise, having needles in their sleeves, is Peyton Manning having hearing aids and all that shit. But listen, man, it's, it's, I've heard somebody refer to it as Patriots <laughs> derangement syndrome. And I'm starting to think it's a real thing, dude. I really am. I really am too. Like not even joking. It is. And our next topic is going to absolutely show this because LB, I was at the Steelers-Patriots game with the Jesse James caught it game. I was right in front of the end zone. It was absolutely incredible. Just absolutely slandering all the Steelers fans, watching them cry as they go out. Oh, man, this catch rule is bullshit. And then significantly, the NFL looked at the catch rule in the Super Bowl as differently. You guys can go look at Corey Clement's touchdown. Come back to me. Look at it. You'll see that it's, it's he bobbles the ball. It's not a touchdown. Whatever. They change the rule in the middle of the Super Bowl. So, okay, everyone cries. The Patriots get a rule change again. And now Chris Hogan catches the pass and looks to me like the catch, especially with the new rule. Everyone complains about the catch rule again after you just complained last year about the Patriots and the catch rule. And then – Awesomely. The best part of this is, wow, you know what? The overtime, fucking scrap it. Fucking scrap it. The Patriots win, win in overtime by winning the toss, scrap it. Well, you know what? Fifty, I think 50 or, what is it, 50% of teams that win the toss win the game in the NFL. It's like 46 on the road, 46%. I think it's like 52% at home or whatever yep. it is, something like that. So this – I don't know if you guys watch the Saints-Rams game, but Drew Brees got the ball at home. They won the toss. They lost. Guys, it's football. This is football. You have to make – it's overtime. Make a stop or you lose. It's simple. It's the most simplest form of football of all time. Make a stop or you lose. And guess what? If Patrick Mahomes would have got the ball and scored, which I'm not sure he would have, Patrick Mahomes gets the ball, wins the toss, gets a ball, and scores. No one is complaining about the overtime rule. And I don't even think I would complain about the overtime rule because I've seen the Patriots get beat by the overtime rule a couple of times too, by Geno Smith. Yep. Yep. And, again, it's like everybody – everything is made about the Patriots. And you see it. The Saints had the ball first. Nobody talks about that game, though. People are crying. Some chick on ESPN does a whole thing about how they need to change the overtime rule because of it. Here's an idea. Make a stop on defense. Don't allow three third and long conversions. Just make a stop. You had them in third and ten three times. You didn't get a single stop. You're, you're there to play defense. How about make a stop? They just changed this rule a few years ago because let's not forget, you could, you could win on a field goal. They tried it out for a year. 
where in the playoffs and the postseason, they would try out this rule and they, they made it the current rules. And then they went to that rule full time. And the Patriots win a couple big games on that rule. And now we got to change the rules again. And it is at this point, I mean, how much, how much, how many times do we have to bring these things up and everybody can just make it out? Like, I think the problem is we're, we're making way too much sense and it drives people crazy because here's the real thing that people want. They want the Patriots to lose. They don't care if that means you fuck them on a catch. If you say it's an incomplete pass for Hogan, they don't care. They don't care if you get the rules right anymore. They just want the Patriots to lose. In my opinion, it's that simple. If the Patriots win on a touchdown, you better give Mahomes a chance to get the ball down the field again too. Why? Why can't your defense just make a stop? And like you, you just said the numbers. It's, it's not some staggering amount. It's not like 78% of teams that win the toss go down and score a touchdown. No. They could have even held him to a field goal, and then Mahomes would have got the ball back. Is that – Bryson, is that outrageous to think that your defense should make a stop? Here's the concept, guys. It starts with a coin flip because it's a fucking coin flip. That's your odds to win the game. That's why they flipped the fucking coin. It's a coin flip game. Dumbass. You know what? It just hit me. Maybe being the number two seed was actually a great thing. The Patriots got to call heads in overtime. I hadn't thought of that. But if it weren't for the Miami Miracle, maybe the Chiefs are in Foxborough and they call heads. And they get oh, heads. They, oh, and they, they get the ball and they automatically win because that's how every overtime works ever? Yep. The, automatic. Okay. Automatic, by the way. It's not, you know, 50 – people pretend like this This rule is like you get the ball and that's it, game over. <laughs> it's not. You've just – people have just seen the Patriots now do it in Super Bowl 51. By the way, the Falcons had a 28-3 to lead in that game. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like – and then people wanted to change it after that game. Now they're really upset because poor Patrick Mahomes didn't – the team that scored zero points in the first half, not three, not two, zero. They scored zero points in the first half. That poor quarterback didn't get a chance to touch the ball in overtime. Poor Patrick Mahomes will weep for him, will cry for Patrick Mahomes. Just one MVP, 50 touchdown passes. Poor guy didn't get a chance to touch the ball in overtime. Well, maybe he should have done something with the football in the first half instead of missing a wide-open touchdown and then taking a 14-yard sack that took them out of field goal range in the first half. If they, if they score three points in the first half, are we even having a discussion? Honestly, the game, you know, with the way it all worked out, it would have been the three, those three points would have gone a long way. Score points, you know? Beat them in regulation if you're really that concerned about Tom Brady having the ball in overtime. Don't let it come to Tom Brady having the ball in overtime. Yeah, here's an idea. Because here's how the game ended up going. The Chiefs had the ball for a total of nine minutes in the first half. They ran 16 plays. They had 37 yards, no points. The Patriots, I, the Patriots had the ball for. Do the math. That's a lot of. That's a lot of downs for the Patriots. They ran the ball 48 times, 176 yards. Not great efficiency, but they won time of possession. They had 44 minutes time of possession. How about get off the field, Chiefs? Thirteen for, Patriots were 13 for 19 on third down. And in my opinion, sometimes they they just – it felt like to me like they ran – maybe they might have out – they almost lost the game because they were, ran the ball a little bit too much, if that makes sense, in the second half. 
So they got that 14-0 lead, and then they needed to score, and the Patriots weren't scoring as fast because the Chiefs in the second half, 32 plays, 294 yards, four touchdowns, a field goal, 12 minutes. They get the ball for 12 minutes. So it's a game of literal inches. Tom Brady gets the ball with two minutes and three seconds left, which is like exactly the time that he did for the Eagles game. I knew Tom Brady was going to go down there and score. It's, it felt like to me like the Patriots, first down, smack, run in the middle of the defense, then Tom Brady in obvious second and third down situations completed the passes and was just absolutely incredible on players that really weren't even open. Gronk had some plays where he wasn't really open. Edelman too. Hogan's catch was probably the worst pass Brady threw, and it still wasn't even a bad pass because the defender was kind of draped over Hogan. So the Chiefs just really, they just didn't have the ball and it couldn't make stops. The defense was on the field. Honestly, after the Patriots, after before Tom Brady's, uh, interception in the end zone, I really wanted to know how long the Chiefs were going to stay around the game because if the Patriots went up 14-0 there, it's cold. Shaq Mason and Trent Brown are smacking you in the face all game. I wanted to know if they would give up. Then Tom Brady throws the interception. And they didn't do anything with that with the ball. No points in the first half. But, man, the Chiefs just came rallying back, and it was very scary to see Patrick Mahomes get the ball with, like, 39 seconds left. And I was very scared. And I was I, I, I was thinking touchdown for the Chiefs. Well, I was too, and and I gotta I gotta tip my hat to Patrick Mahomes. Like I, I just ripped him for the first half performance, but that second half performance, boy, he was he was impressive. You know, he made the throws he had to make. He did miss one, but they ended up getting a touchdown, I believe, on that drive. Anyways, the kid's good, man. The kid's the real deal. He's a great player. He really stepped it up in the second half. Um, he made adjustments. They made adjustments. They played much better. Patrick Mahomes has a very, very bright future, and I think this kid's going to do a lot of big things. He's a great player. And uh, the second half, like you said, that is staggering to think the Patriots had the ball for 44 minutes, and the Chiefs still scored 31 points. And they all came in the second half. So I'll give the Chiefs their due. They came back. Um, you know, Brady, we, people love to call Brady the luckiest quarterback of all time. In my opinion, he had one really bad play. That was the interception in the end zone. Some people got on McDaniels. They said he tried to get too cute, should have ran it in. Look, Brady needs to just take the sack, take the three, whatever, go up, and it's 10 nothing. But Brady throws the interception. It goes off Julian Edelman's hands because Brady's so lucky. Brady, D. Ford's offsides play. You don't hear a lot of people talking about the fact the pass went right through Gronk's hands, through his giant hands for the interception. That's happened once this year before, too. With yep, once, or twice. Once, once or twice, I mean. Twice. Yep, and we know the numbers for how many picks Brady had this year that went off off of his own guy's hands, or you know, um, PFF said he had four turnover worthy plays, I believe. And people want to say Brady's the lucky one. Well, I mean, the pass went right through Gronk's hands. It's it's so is Brady lucky that it went through Gronk's hands? No, how about these four just lined up on sides? You know, but I'll give the Chiefs credit. You know, they they played a great game. They stormed back. Mahomes is a great player. They held Kelsey to. <laughs> what thirty yards? They held Hill to. They held them both under under sixty, I believe, right? Yes, I think they both combined for less than seventy yards. And Tyreek Hill really just had that one bomb, and that was really it. Like, didn't feel like they got Tyreek Hill involved in a whole lot of handoffs, like anything like that. Kind of played in the Patriots' favor, I think, just really because the Pats went up so quickly, and then yeah, it was. The Patriots really did have a perfect game plan for the Chiefs. They they went in there thinking that there's no way 
they can play 20, probably 25 minutes of defense and win the game. And they ended up playing 21 minutes of defense and won in overtime. So the, I mean, this is one of the greatest wins in the Patriot in the Belichick Brady era, in my opinion. Going into Arrowhead, where everyone doubted them, everyone doubted them. They can they can say they did, but everyone was on the Chiefs. Not one person, except for maybe Patriots fans, thought the Patriots fans Patriots would go into the Arrowhead and win, especially putting up 37 points. I mean, the Patriots have been, I mean, all season. I've heard a lot of people talk about the the Patriots road was, which were true, but. You can give some pretty good explanations for why they were so bad on, on the road. At the beginning of the season, they didn't have Edelman. They didn't have Gordon. And then the Titans game, that was before bye, where a lot of teams struggle before the bye. They had the Steelers game, which, I mean, I was, I'm just throwing those. I just threw those out kind of and thought the Patriots would end up playing their best football in January, and they did. can't believe they scored 37 points. Probably should have scored 50 points and just – just absolutely dumb. They dominate the game on both sides of the ball, man. I can excuse a couple of them even more. I mean, you have the Jaguars who, like you said, they didn't have Edelman or Gordon, and the Jaguars' defense was still playing. You know, at that time, they, they seemed to be in a good place. Um, Lions, Matt Patricia there, institutional knowledge always seems to kill Belichick. Tennessee, institutional knowledge again. Mike Vrabel there. Uh, you go to – and. Miami Miracle, obviously, they lost on that one play, which put, would have put them at 12-4 and four with the one seed if that one play doesn't happen. Pittsburgh, they were just due to lose to that team. They own that team. What's, what's the record? 11-2 and two before that. They were due to lose in Pittsburgh. You know, I wasn't even upset after that game. I remember I tweeted that they can still win the Super Bowl. I wasn't, that loss bothered me the least out of all of them this year was the loss in Pittsburgh. The number, I'm weird about numbers sometimes. I felt they were due for a loss to that team. But like something that we talked about on the podcast last week, Patriots seem to be peaking at the right time, man. They the, the team the team keeps talking about the Buffalo game. I guess I've kind of forgotten about that in a sense because you know Brady had a people people rip Brady. They said he was washed after the Buffalo game, despite the loss. Um, and of course, before the Buffalo game, Josh Gordon got suspended. They were coming off a two game losing streak. Gordon gets suspended, season over, right? I mean, that was it. But Brady comes out now. He throws two picks. Um, neither of them were his fault, by the way, but. He's washed. Cliff, 41, sucks, can't do it anymore. But they, they beat him 24 to 12, so they got a win. Some people weren't even happy about it. I loved it. I thought it was awesome. They ran for 280 yards. Um, the next week, they dominated the Jets. They played great football. So the Patriots, the players keep referring to Buffalo week as the big turnaround. And I guess they're right. It was a, you know, Buffalo was a big week for them. They lost Gordon. They responded. They won. They came out, blew up the Jets. What they did to the Chargers, I don't think anybody will ever forget because they came out and just manhandled the Chargers. And then they went into Arrowhead and they beat a team that was – they beat a team. And I keep telling this to people, forget about the 31 second half points because all the Patriots needed was to stop the Chiefs for that one half. They held them to zero and it ended up being the difference they needed to win that game. Now they're going to the Super Bowl, man. I'll say it again. The Patriots peak – the Patriots playing their best football and the Patriots at their peak is the best team in the NFL. And I don't even think it's close. I don't think it's close. When the Patriots have played at home, they've looked like the best team in the NFL. The defenses look good. And this is on the road and their defense was just incredibly good. Patrick Holmes running for his life. I know a lot of Chiefs fans. I mean, the Chiefs fired their defensive coordinator this morning, which I, I mean, tough look, probably deserve to be fired but again you're playing Tom Brady who's just absolutely a nightmare 
Chiefs got a lot of people fired. Yeah, yeah, he's got plenty of people fired. <laughs> and, and once again, Brian Flores saves the Patriots. And if I'm pretty sure if Matt Patricia is there with the Patriots, Matt, Patrick Mahomes dinks and dunks is like there's no way Patrick Mahomes scores zero points with with um, Matt Patricia there. He's gonna dink his dunk, and dink and dunk his way down the whole field. The Patriots defense is different this year. It's definitely it's different. It's a different team. It's just, yeah, they're a good team. It's funny because last year they were 13-3. and three. They had the one seed. This team feels better, like you said, at their peak. Now, they lost some games this year. They lost we – weren't, we weren't – none of us were used to seeing that extra – seeing five losses in the column. You know, that was unusual because we hadn't seen that since uh, 2009 when they went 10-6. and six. They were 11-5 and five the year before that. Um, they've had at least 12 every year since then. So this year, you know, they lost five and the sky was falling and the quarterback was washed and the dynasty was over. We've heard the dynasty was over about 10 times now since the Eagles lost. But to be 11 and five and to do what they've done, I'm incredibly impressed with the Patriots. And I say that as a non-biased fan because they lost Josh. I've said all along this could be their unconventional Super Bowl win. All their Super Bowls have been kind of conventional since the first one. You know what I mean? They were pretty much the most stacked team, the best team in the NFL. Across the, the 2004 Patriots, we all know, were stacked. 2003, they were stacked. Since 2001, this might be this, – this is almost like a carbon copy of that 2001 team. Maybe not quite as talented on defense. Probably not. But they're 11-5. and five. You get the two seed. You win on the road in the AFC Championship game. You go to the Super Bowl, you play the Rams again. And – it's just an amazing year. I think they deserve a lot of credit because after Gordon, you know, we've almost, we've almost all kind of forgotten about Gordon in a way because we thought when they lost Josh Gordon, there, there goes the Super Bowl. You know, it's, it's done. They might lose to Buffalo this weekend. They didn't. They took care of business, and ever since then, they've been rolling, man. And like you said, at their peak, it, the numbers speak for themselves. They're 6-0 and versus playoff teams. They, that obviously includes this playoff run. If they get to 7-0, and this team – it's just they're just a team, T E A M. They're not the most talented team, probably in the NFL. They might not even be a top five most talented team or a top ten most talented team. Even going back to two thousand one, this is probably their least talented Super Bowl roster. I know a lot of people look at the two thousand eleven Super Bowl and they think, you know, losing that one. It's just an impressive year, I think, for them. Really, I'm very impressed. I'm impressed as well. And everyone that is a fan of other teams, you better pray to God the Patriots don't win the six, six Super Bowl. You don't want to see me wild on the timeline or in real life when the Patriots <laughs> win the six Super Bowl. We might lose our shit because then we can finally say Tom Brady. Steelers fans talk the most smack, I think. That's fair to say. They talk a lot of crap, Steelers fans. And I think a lot of it's just jealousy and envy, you know. Tom Brady is so close to having another shot and having the same amount of rings as that entire organization. They have six Brady's, but if Brady, if they take care of business, they'll have the same amount of rings as the Pittsburgh Steelers entire organization. Unbelievable. Just absolutely incredible. I think we hit on just about everything it feels like, but I want to declare war on someone real quick. (laughs) I'm all for it. Let's hear it. I love this. All right. My campus security. Number one, is it not enough for me to show up to chemistry class and, and fail every day and just not know what the fuck is going on? It's not enough for that. 
every time I walk out of I've walked out of chemistry twice in the last month and have had a parking ticket. Come on, guys. Come on, guys. Give me a fucking breakout here. All right. I, I literally kill myself in chemistry every day. And I walk out to you motherfuckers finding me 75 bucks a pop for a ticket. No. Gee, come on, guy. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm gonna That's be careful. shitty. I'm, I'm going to be careful what I'm saying on this podcast, but, I, yeah. I'm, I'm declaring it's war. I don't know how, I don't know what war means yet, but I'm going to, I'm going to figure something out because it's war. This is ridiculous. You know, someone hit my car in the parking lot not too long ago and no one did anything about it, but God forbid I park in a handicap spot that no one ever uses. <laughs> you parked in handicap. Oh man, dude, you are, you are absolutely, that's it. You're officially Channing Tatum, Channing Tatum from 21 Jump Street, bro. You really parked in handicap and then you come out and you're like, Hey, what's this, guys? I'm failing chemistry. Now you guys give me a fine for parking and handicap. What the fuck? Club racing, man. I, I got a handicap. It's called I'm late for fucking chemistry. Give me a break. <laughs> yeah. Plus, you're failing. I mean, you'd think they'd have a little bit. I mean, I'll give you this. I, I kind of feel for you. I know you got a lot going on, man. You're working. You know, you have a job. You're doing the podcasts. You're, uh, you're going to school, obviously. I, I feel for you. I do find it funny as shit how much you remind me of that guy, though. You're literally him. All right. Last the the last point I want to talk about last semester when I got a parking ticket. So I get on Twitter, which I have my personal Twitter account. Get on Twitter and I'm like, again, just got a parking ticket for parking in the handicapped spot. I didn't realize that not being late for ticket was being late for chemistry wasn't a handicap. And my mom well at, at the time my account's private, my mom who follows me screenshots this tweet. <laughs> Post it on Facebook. My chemistry professor liked the post. No way. <laughs> oh, man. He's like, Mom, this, what fucking, you doing? this fucking guy, Bryson. This guy can't get the fucking chemistry class, failing the shit out of everything. What kind of, this guy's a loser. My Bryson thinks he's hot shit. Yeah, I'm going to give this guy all sorts of trouble in class this week. Probably him behind all this, man. Let's be honest here. Actually, you know what? He might. Yeah, he might. He called the feds up. He's trying to. They're, they're watching me now. I'm in my, to get to my nine a.m. They're like, "Oh, yep, there's Bryson again. Let's just fuck him over one more time." Are you headed to class right now? Is that why you're leaving? Yeah, I'm getting ready to head for class. You know, I might park in the handicap spot again and just put the ticket on my thing. You know, I'm gonna carry the ticket as a you know, just carry it around. Well, at this point, it's like a badge of honor, buddy. You know, I I'm, I can just picture you pulling in in that truck. You know, blaring music. Basically daring them to give you a ticket. Like I, I, I don't know why. I can just picture you actually walking around like, hey, guys, I got a ticket today. I'm a fucking badass. We all see those abbies that you use of you in the gym. You're just letting everybody know at this point, man. You're like, yo, I'm a badass. I'm a rebel, and I don't care. Tom Brady's the baddest motherfucker on the planet, but I'm the baddest motherfucker in West Virginia. That's right. You're damn right. I walk in there with my $50 fifty dollar parking ticket plus twenty five dollars for apparently parking in a different lot. Good God guys, <laughs> someone give me a break around here. Failing <laughs> chemistry. Bryson, you know the rule, man, you're supposed to break like one rule at a time, dude. So you're not just parking in <laughs> handicap, but you're parking in the wrong lot too. I don't believe I was. They think I was. Yeah, I'm not paying in these parking tickets, I can promise you. I can assure everyone that I'm not paying for one cent of these parking tickets while I'm at college. I mean, I don't even understand. Who the hell, 
like who do you even pay it to? What happens if you don't pay it? Do you the school? That's the worst part. It's through the school. So the campus security at my school literally they hire a bunch of kids and all they do all day long is just give people tickets. I've seen them write tickets for their tires being over the lines and they're just overly aggressive. Like it's very expensive to go to my school and I don't pay for school luckily, but good grief. Some of these kids, like they can't afford to pay these tickets. Like imagine if I was some actual broke college student, I have over $150 in parking. I get on parking a handicapped spot, but good <laughs> grief. I was only in there for 50 minutes. I love the fact that you park in handicapped. <laughs> I'm handy. I have a handicap. It's called I'm late for fucking chemistry. And you're failing, so you got a couple handicaps going on for you. Jeez. All right, LB. I'm going to get off of here. I'm going to probably park in handicap spot again. I really don't care at this point. Hey, man, you know what's not a handicap is being a Patriots fan. Yeah. That is not a yeah. That's not a handicap. We love it. All right, LB. We see you later, buddy. It. Thank you, man. You have a great day, Bryson. Good luck. Thanks.